Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Figure It Out podcast with me, Chandler Collins. College basketball edition It's back. We warned you last week that we might take a week off if the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Well, since last time I talked to Garrett Skipworth, who joins us today, the Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. But now the podcast really makes the shift to basketball. Started off last night, Garrett. I don't know if you've seen, but um, we had an episode last night with a uh, Missouri State Lady Bear legend on the women's side, uh, Liza Fruent, who's a good friend of the show. Um, so figured out pods are very basketball-centric here, and we know we're a day late. Had some scheduling conflicts, but we knew we had to get it for the people. Huge weekend last weekend in College Hoops. Some big-time programs making some statements. Um, we'll get into it all, but first let's hear from Skip. Skeeby, how are you, buddy? Jan, what's up, brother? It is a great feeling to be Super Bowl champs, man. Yes, uh, we wanted it, and we got it. And uh, no one will ever be able to take it away from the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, just what a time to be a fan, man. It's been electric here in Kansas City the last couple weeks. Um, just super exciting being able to uh, celebrate such a great team. And, uh, you know, this is the stuff that we dreamed about growing up as little kids. And now we're just getting to relive it. So yeah, um, it's pretty amazing stuff, man. And uh, yeah, like you said, college basketball is really heating up. These next couple of weeks are super key. Very, very important. Um, we got March Madness right around the corner. And as always, man, Figure It Out podcast has been on fire lately. It's uh, one thing I love about this show is, you know, you just get on here and you're able to uh, connect with people that love uh, love sports and they love having good conversations. And um, I will always be a huge fan, man, and I will always be a huge supporter. So I uh, really appreciate everything you do, Chan, and uh, you'll forever be one of my best friends. And um really excited to see where the Figure It Out podcast ends up here in the next couple of years, man. I am too, Skeeby, and I appreciate the kind words. Ditto, as always. Let's get into basketball, my guy. Um, So, like I said, recording on a Tuesday, so there might be some Monday scores sprinkled in. I don't know what Skip's note sheet looks like, but I've got some Monday scores from last night's big Monday sprinkled in here. We'll talk about it briefly, but no issue if not. We're going to start with a big Monday player, the Kansas Jayhawks, on Saturday, take down the Baylor Bears. Um, They killed them. And Jalen Wilson goes for 21 points, and he's an absolute stud. Um, I love watching him play, even though he plays in that ugly-ass uniform. He is a really, really good basketball player. And, man, he is lightning fast. I swear he's one of the most underrated quick guys in the game his first step is so fast and he caused tcu troubles last night they won in fort worth another top 25 team by the way 63 58 i think the sky's the limit for kansas i really do um sometimes i question a little bit of their perimeter scoring but when you got jalen wilson going for 21 and grady dick who it seems to be i don't think the kid misses i know he does but i don't think he actually does um they have a legit chance to make a deep run. But on the flip side, Garrett, I want to get your thoughts on this. They really lack a big man. If they get in the tournament and they play a mid-major team with a really somehow a really dominant big man, I really could see this team being an early exit Kansas team just based on the fact that 
I don't love their inside play. And if you run into a guy that's controlling the paint, it could be your night in March Madness. It really could. Um, but Kansas poised for another run, I think. What do you think, buddy? Yeah, man. Uh, we both uh, obviously, since day one, we both obviously had a very similar um you know, very similar outlooks on Kansas. Not the biggest fans, but you can't uh, you can't deny their their greatness, man. I mean, they are just they know what it takes to win. Um, it seems like very similar to our Kansas City Chiefs. Which, matter of fact, throughout this episode, I'm going to be sprinkling in a couple of uh, Kansas City Chiefs references. So, Love it. I'm looking forward welcome. to that. But uh, but yeah, man, KU they they just know how to win, man. Um, they were down 13 at half uh at home against a really really good Baylor team they ended up winning by 16 um they outscored Baylor 55 to 26 in the second half um they've had several games this year very similar to that uh they were down 10 late in the second half against Oklahoma one by four uh they were down 15 at half to Oklahoma State one by two um and they were also down 15 at half against North Carolina in the national championship game last year. And they won by three. Um, so that was the, actually the largest comeback in national championship history. Uh, like I said, man, very similar to the chiefs. They're never out of it. Uh, as we all know, the chiefs have been down in the super bowl uh, this year by 10. Uh, they were down in the super bowl a couple years ago against the 49ers by 10. And uh, you can't forget that game that we were down 24 to zero against uh, the Houston Texans and came back and won. So um, I don't know what it is, man. The uh, the water in Missouri and Kansas, these guys just know how to win. Um, like you said, Jalen Wilson is a national player of the year candidate without a doubt. Uh, I believe he has had like five or six straight 20 point games, which is very, very impressive in such a good conference like the Big 12. Uh, Grady Dick, man, he is really fun to watch. Uh, I feel like these two guys are kind of a very similar one-two punch for Kansas as, uh, uh, you know, Ochai Abaji and Christian Brown were last year. But uh, might be even better. I don't know. I'm not sure on that. They might even be a little bit better. Uh, Like you said, Grady Dick just shoots the ball at such a high clip. Uh, Seems like he has just the perfect – you know, picture perfect jump shot. Yeah. If you if you're if you're teaching a guy how to shoot a basketball, tell him to watch Grady Dick. So, um, like you said though, man, they do lack a a big guy. Uh, I think that they they kind of just have it seems like a rotation of big guys that they seem to throw in there. Um, more guys that are just in there simply to rebound and play defense. So I think that if if they can continue to rely on their uh on their main guys that have got them to where they are at this point in the season um, and have that balanced scoring have, um, you know, mixed in with a little bit of uh, contributions from the bench. I think that they're going to be one of the toughest teams to knock out without a doubt. I actually, um, you know, I I know, I believe they're sitting at number three right now in the nation. Mm -hmm. Um, But if I had to put my money on anybody, I would probably bet, uh, I'd probably bet Kansas to be the national champs right now. So yeah. um, they're they're definitely rolling. Speaking of player of the year candidates like Jalen Wilson, number one, Bama, slaughters Georgia on Saturday, 108 to 59. 
Um, their player of the year candidate, and as a freshman, that's how good he is. He'll definitely be the freshman player of the year. I think he should be national player of the year, at least considered. Brandon Miller, absolute stud, goes for 21 points. And I don't care what conference, I don't care what team, if you're winning in February 108 to 59, you are a legit basketball team. And quite frankly, Garrett, I don't know that it's crazy to think that Bama could be the best team in the country right now. They are, I mean, outside of that loss to Oklahoma, they're, they have killed teams in the conference. And I, in my opinion, that outweighs, uh, a, a, you know, a close win. I don't think that there's any win is better than the other, but when you sit down and look at resumes, 108 points in February, that is so many. Um, so it's time to take the tide really serious, Garrett. Yeah, 100%, man. And uh, I know that I, I just went on and on about Kansas, but uh, we had a, an episode a couple weeks ago, and and uh, I believe Bama might have been like fourth or fifth in the country at that point. And uh, I, you know, I made sure to point out that uh, they are one of the top teams, if not the best team in the entire nation, like you just said. Um I know that they had beaten Vanderbilt like by 40 or 50 and we were random raving about it. LSU now, as well. Yeah. And now they go out and beat Georgia 108 to 59. I mean, that is just, that's absurd. Um, and that's actually, uh, that's Bama's fifth time scoring a hundred points this season uh, with several games uh, mixed in there with, with 90 plus or 80 plus points as well. Um, so they are a very, very good team. Uh, like you said, Brandon Miller is an absolute stud. He's one of the best, if not the best players in the nation. Um, and Chan, when they are hitting shots and scoring over 100 points, I don't I don't know how you can beat a team like that. Uh, I, I made a couple notes here that, uh, you know, in the two games that they um, recently won, uh, they shot 16 for 34 from three and 15 for 34 from three, uh, which is an average of about 46%. Wow. And in uh, their loss to Tennessee, they lost to Tennessee a couple weeks ago at Tennessee, kind of just one of those games. You don't take it with uh, too much of a grain of salt, uh, tough conference road game, but they did lose to Tennessee. They only made nine threes in that game. So my point being is if they're making double-digit threes, that's that's for sure their bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're making you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 threes in a game, it's a lot of points. And uh, you know, that's you're, uh, they always say that you live and die by the three, but if you're consistently doing that, watch out. <laughs> Absolutely. And what a transition by you. You're starting to pick this up. We're moving, staying in the SEC, but going to a Tennessee Volunteers game. Number 10, Tennessee loses at Kentucky, 66 to 54 Saturday. Watched almost all of this game. And really, this kind of goes back to my Kansas and Baylor point. When you have a dominant big man, it changes the game. Oscar Shibway, I don't think gets talked about enough right now for being the reigning national player of the year. I know we've talked about him a few times on the show, but we need to talk about him more. He goes for 16 points, seven rebounds. Listen to this for a big man, 10 of 11 at the free throw line. So he got over half his points from the, from the charity stripe. And I think that's huge because a lot of the time you're looking to foul a big guy. 
to try to get him in the line in a, in a late game situation. Um, and if you're hitting shots like that as a big guy, I think you, you almost have to respect him too much to put him on the line. Um, on the flip side of that, though, is Kentucky, Garrett, they are going to struggle to make the tourney, in my opinion. They Their record is horrible. And if their name wasn't Kentucky, I think they're already out of the tournament. I think that their name buys them a few weeks with the committee and maybe a win or two here or there. This win against Tennessee certainly helped. Um, but Tennessee is fine. Um, they have two guys with uh, potential figure-it-out pod names of the year um, winners when Zakai Ziegler and Santiago Vescovi, who are – Really, really good guards. I think Ziegler is more of a more of the facilitator. When Vescovi is more of the uh, the the playmaker, in my opinion, he plays a lot like Manu. He's kind of got that flow and kind of that European style of hoops to him that really kind of fits well with his Tennessee team. They've lost three out of their last four, but two of those losses were legit buzzer beaters. They lost at Vandy on a last second three. And they lost to Missouri at home on a legit last second three back-to-back game. So I don't put a lot of stock into those two losses. This Kentucky loss is a little concerning, but I think Tennessee is going to be fine. Yeah, no, I I agree, man. That's crazy. The fact that, uh, you know, it's one thing to lose one game at the buzzer all season throughout the entire yeah. the entirety of the season, but for them to lose – back-to-back games just absolute heartbreakers that was uh that was pretty crazy to see um yeah man i i don't i agree i think tennessee is really really good and uh i'm honestly i'm really glad that you brought that up about uh about kentucky because uh, i have it written down here shan even though they're not having a kentucky standard season I just don't think there's any shot that they keep Kentucky out of the NCAA tournament. Wow. I just, I just don't think there's any way. And, you know, we sit here and, and we're talking about them the way that we are. They are still third in the SEC. They're still third in arguably one of the better conferences this season in college basketball. Sure. Um, in my opinion, man – I think they're just using that to stir shit up a little bit, get people to talk about it like we are as we speak. Um, I just, I don't know, man. I mean, I think that uh, Kentucky is one of those teams that, yes, they're not as good as they are in years past, um, but they are still a team that could beat anyone and they're a team that could lose to anyone. So, yeah. I just don't think there's any way that the committee will keep Kentucky out of the tournament. I could be wrong, but I don't think there's any shot. <laughs> the final big game I have written down, um, this one wasn't that big in terms of blockbuster, but I want to use this one as a really good uh, reminder to the listeners about how to really approach the conference season, conference tournament season, which, by the way, is a week away at the mid-major level, and I think even – at the power five level, I think it's right around the corner um, is number seven, Virginia beats Notre Dame by two. And it was a big scare for the Cavaliers who are the best team in the ACC right now. And honestly, 
outside of Miami, I think it's far and away they're the best team in the ACC, which Miami is really good. We'll talk about them here in a second. But um, I think the moral of this story is that good teams at this time of the year find ways to win. You think about Kansas, like you you rattle off their losses or their wins in the final waning seconds. Um, Virginia seems to be one of those teams that can dig in and fight when it matters most. And, and a tough road game against a bad Notre Dame team um, we've both been in locker rooms when there's an inferior opponent in the other locker room and you're kind of like, man, we're going to kill these guys. And it just doesn't really work out that way. And you got to fight and scratch and get a win. And that's exactly what Virginia did. And that, that game really kind of spoke volumes to me because Virginia's kind of on a roll. They beat Duke after Carolina, I believe, um, and Miami. Duke had a bad stretch for a second. We'll talk about them here in a sec, but um, I like this Virginia team. I think that they are really, really balanced, and they can defend, man. They can really, really play defense. So I like this I like this win a lot for Virginia. I like a good scare late in the year if you're a, if you're a really, really good team. I think a scare goes a long way. No, 100%, Chan. And um, Virginia's really good, man. They've just historically been very, very hard-nosed. They're always defensive-minded. Uh, they actually have a set – basketball defense named after them they have the virginia defense the virginia style defense it's just the pack line defense um a lot of help a lot of switching a lot of hard closeouts um so for all those basketball fans out there if you've ever heard the term virginia defense that's that's definitely what it's talking about and that's the style of play that they uh that they go with but yeah, man, you you hit it right on the money. I mean, just listen to their last four wins. In their last four wins, they have scored 63 points, 69, 61, and 57. A lot of teams in the nation, those would be losses if they weren't if they weren't scoring um, you know, more than 70 points. Like that's usually usually chalked up as a loss for most most teams, but yeah. Um you know, Virginia, man, they just they find a way to win. Uh, a couple years ago, no one thought that they were going to make it to the final four. And they made it they made a huge run um, up in uh, up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, made it all the way to the final four. So uh, like we just talked about, man, uh, some teams live and die by the three. They, they rely on their offense too much. Uh, but defense always travels and you, you always know what you're going to get from defensive minded teams. Um, it's just truly a matter of if, if they can score a little bit more than the other team, um, yeah. because, uh, you know, it, it is very, very difficult to be scoring 60 points and still manage to win. I mean, you've got to be so locked in on defense. Every single possession matters. Um, taking care of the ball, you, not only you on offense, you have to take care of the ball and, and not turn it over, but, on defense, you got to uh, you got to create turnovers. You got to create easy buckets. Uh, get the other team out of their offensive rhythm. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it. And uh, I would not want to play Virginia in the NCAA tournament. I can tell you that. I think a Bama versus Virginia game would be a clash of the of the differences and who would come out on top in that one. Um, that'd be an awesome game, I think. Let's transition to the on-notice games. These teams are kind of on my radar right now of teams that need to be taken legit – or, yeah, excuse me, taken legitimately as we move closer and closer to March Madness. First up, Garrett, 
I think we really missed the mark here bad, and I spearheaded it for sure. UCLA, fourth in the country, beats Cal 78 to 43. Um, they're 23 and 4, 14 and 2 in the in the Pac 12. I think we have to slide them up above Arizona, who we're gonna talk about next, who I still think is really good. But this UCLA team, you can't take anything away from them. They have really good players and also guys we can add to the names list. Jamie Juzang Jr., I mean, that's a sweet name. The three J's. He goes for 20 and eight um, on Saturday against Cal. Now, that, you know, I know it's Cal, but still, like we talked about, 78 to 43, that's a mixture of, of Alabama and Virginia. That is a really low-scoring to high-scoring clip right there. So that's very impressive. And then Tiger Campbell, he's one of the best guards in the league in, in the nation. Um, spells his name with a spells Tiger with a Y. That's really cool. He goes, he has he averages 12.2 points per game, five assists per game. He's a the definition of a facilitator. Him and Ziegler from Tennessee, I think, are very comparable, and both are two of the best point guards in the country. So Garrett, UCLA, I think we have to slide them above Arizona here in the Pac-12. Man, I agreed with everything you said. Uh, we definitely um, we definitely bit the bullet on that a little bit. I know we were uh, throwing some shade UCLA's way a couple weeks ago, um, but it's probably time for us to uh, start giving them credit when credit's due. Uh, they are a really, really good team. However... I agree or I disagree and think that Arizona is still better than UCLA 100%. Wow. Um, you know, we talk about it a lot that uh, nowadays in college basketball experience is so important. And, uh, and both of these teams honestly have really, really good experience. Uh, they have some guys that returned uh, from their team last year. So they know what it takes. Uh, they know how to go about their business, but um man Arizona is just I, I don't know they're really really good and um I think that I would if I if I had to bet money I would definitely still take Arizona over UCLA even though that the committee does not necessarily agree with that uh from the looks of the rankings right now they got UCLA at four and Arizona at seven um but I don't know what it is. I mean, I think it's just kind of one of those things uh, with these teams, with these evenly matched teams, you could almost flip a coin and, um, you know, make an argument for either one of these teams. It's kind of probably one of those things that uh, it just matters which team shows up that given day. Um, so it's actually, it's funny you brought this up because I'd say a, a very interesting Pac-12 situation um, because I'm sure that Arizona and UCLA will both win out um, the remainder of the season, but the last game of the season uh, is actually matched up with Arizona and UCLA, and that could potentially not only be for the Pac-12 championship, but it could be for a number one seed in the NCAA, in the NCAA tournament. Wow. So, um, you know, that could be a very – I mean, if you're sitting around that – if you're sitting in the top five or six, you're obviously going to be in in conversation for a one seed. Um, and if one of those teams in the top five slips up and has a bad late loss or something, you could you could easily slip into that one seed. So I thought that that was very interesting, man. That last game of the season between them could potentially not only be for the Pac-12 championship, 
but it could very well be for a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Well, not even just that, because if that game happens, they very likely could end up playing in the Pac-12 conference championship too. So 100%. there could be two really quick back-to-back matchups that could decide a lot of a lot of stuff there in the Pac-12. Yeah. And like I said, Chan, both teams, they're so similar that both of them actually lost in the Sweet 16 last year. Um, UCLA lost to uh, to North Carolina, and then Arizona lost to Houston, both in the Sweet 16. So, um, I mean, you, you can't really make an argument, I don't think, for either one of those teams. It's it's just a matter of who ends up playing better that at that given day. They're just that evenly matched. Yeah, absolutely. Arizona, real quick. They've won nine of their last 10. They beat Colorado by 10 on Saturday. Um, Umar Bello, 18 points, awesome name. Uh, Seven-foot center. He is the another definition of a guy that can lock down the paint. He scored 14.6 points a game, nine boards a game. That's 40th in the country. That's pretty good when you have a lot of good rebounders. Um, and you have a solid post presence and you can go a long way. I kind of think that that actually could still give Arizona a bit of an advantage down there um, against UCLA because that is a big man who can really score the basketball. Um, and Arizona, like you said, we, are, we won't waste any more time, but they are still a really good basketball team playing a really high level. Uh, my final my final on notice, Big East play. Um, the UConn Huskies, they have won four out of their last five. They're fifth place in the Big East right now, but they're 20 and seven. That is an impressive record that nobody is really talking about. And they're really kind of hitting their stride. They beat Seton Hall 64 55. They're ranked 20th in the country um, as of today. Um, Adama Sonogo, we talked about him a lot on this show, actually. Another dominant big man they're around this year i think there's a lot of really good big man here's another one 16.9 points per game 7.3 rebounds and in the tough physical league like the big east is and always has been that's a huge huge advantage for the yukon huskies i have underlined a force because that's what he is he is a force down low and i really like this yukon huskies team um all these teams tonight that we've mentioned all have really great coaches, in my opinion. Um, and that might be a duh statement, but um, I believe Bobby Hurley is the UConn head coach, and he is he is awesome to watch. So I like the UConn Huskies, Garrett. Yeah, Chan, they are they are absolutely legit. Um, every single time I I think of UConn, uh, I always think of that Kimball Walker step back shot at Matter from Square Garden. Just an absolutely, absolutely iconic moment in sports. Uh, that was a six-overtime game. And, um, man, those years, they they made such late runs in the NCAA tournament when no one, and I mean no one, was giving them a chance to do so. Uh, they just kind of came out of nowhere, and they start playing their best basketball at the end of the year. And, uh, yeah, I mean, how could we, how could we not give them – um, some good notoriety here. They actually beat, it was early in the season, so take it with a grain of salt. They did beat Alabama earlier this season, 82 to 67. Wow. So, um, really, really good win for UConn earlier in the season. Um, they have a couple of other really quality wins. Uh, they beat Villanova, 
Um, they beat Iowa State, beat Oklahoma State, Florida. Um, they've had a, a couple of a uh, couple of really close losses. They lost to Xavier a couple weeks ago, only by three. Um, they lost at Creighton the other day by three. Um, so uh, it just goes back to those close those close losses like that. Go back to one or two more missed shots here and there, a couple of turnovers here and there. A um, couple of, you know, defensive lapses here and there, and that's the difference in the game. You're, you know, you're right there. Um, so uh, UConn, very, very deadly, very dangerous team. Uh, they're probably going to be, I'm assuming, one of those like 7 to 10 uh, ranked teams in the, uh, in the NCAA tournament that you just absolutely never want to play. So yeah. uh, UConn historically been – Phenomenal in the NCAA tournament, and uh, they could easily be able to make a run this year again as well. Sticking with the UConn theme, um, before we wrap up the show with a with a final segment here, just a quick shout out to the Big East. Maybe we should start doing a shout a conference shout out per show per week. We'll start it now. This one goes out to the Big East. Five teams in the top twenty five as of today. We've already mentioned UConn, who's twenty and seven, but. Xavier, number 16, 20 and 7. And then here come the Providence Friars. Figure it out podcast, Provident Fr- Providence Friars, excuse me, 20 and 7 as well. Um, I, you know, we talked about it last time, Garrett, but this conference is just kind of cool. Those schools are kind of cool. I feel like it's because we really don't know like much about those schools being from the Midwest. Um, but like we see them so much because their basketball is so good. Um so they they kind of have like a mystique, a mystique almost to them. Um, I love this conference. I love watching it. A lot of the times they're on Sundays, which is awesome, especially this time of the year because there's nothing else on. They're on a Big East game. I'm pretty sure I was watching um, the UConn game on Sunday. So real quick shout out to the Big East. Don't know if you want to add anything to that, but um, we'll, let's start that segment. That segment might be kind of fun. I I love that segment. That would be really fun. Um, and I know that you were huge on Providence last year, man. That was that was your squad heading yeah. into the tournament. Um, yeah, I mean, you just you don't hear a whole lot about them. Um, I mean, the the Big East teams, unfortunately, are hardly ever on ESPN or or major networks nowadays. So uh, we definitely don't get to watch them as much as we used to. But um, honestly, Chan, sometimes those are the best stories. Yeah. Those are the best stories in the sense of like you don't hear a whole lot about teams all year. They're not getting you know that they're good, but they're not getting too much notoriety or not too much praise. And then bam, they just come out of nowhere and it's like, who are these guys? Like, who is this player? Um, they they always seem to have like one or two guys that just kind of steal the spotlight. Yeah. And people are, you know, talking about them all over Twitter and then um, I think that that does help them in the sense that we don't hear about them. So then once we do see them in the NCAA tournament and they do have success, people kind of uh, rally around them and mm-hmm. uh, people kind of, you know, cheer for them in a way. So it's pretty cool um, to to see that happen every single year. I, I feel like it happens every year, no matter what. Um, but yeah, man, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, how all those teams in the Big East, how they fare in the NCAA tournament, um, because 
man, this year it's just going to be absolutely nuts. I, I think it's going to be damn near impossible to pick a perfect bracket um, just because there are going to be every single game is just going to be an absolute dogfight. And um, it's just going to be it's going to be much must watch TV. I cannot wait for it mm-hmm. to get here. Um, just watching games all day long. Uh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be electric. And, um, you know, I, I cannot wait to see who ends up making a deep run. And, and uh, if our predictions turn out to be uh, pretty solid or if we come back and, and bite our tongues. But uh, that's the beauty of sports, man. And, and that's what makes it fun. Yeah, that conference shout out ties in perfectly with our final segment, the nobody talking about segment. These two teams I picked this week are both from the state of Texas, and the first one are the Texas A&M Aggies. Uh, they finally cracked the top 25 this week. Uh, they're 20-7. and seven. Um, They're 12-2 and two in the SEC, and as Garrett just pointed out a couple minutes ago, one of the best basketball conferences in the country this year, no questions asked. Um, I, I was speaking earlier about coaches who are awesome. Buzz Williams is an awesome guy. Big energy guy. Love watching him on the sideline. That dude sweats through like the entire suit every every night, just giving it his all on the sideline. It's actually hilarious watching him. He gets so fired up. But um, I, I I love this Texas A and M team. They are easily the SEC's most underrated team, and they're in second place. How does that happen? Um, and actually, as we're recording, I believe they're getting ready to take the court and, uh, against Tennessee which that's a huge game for Tennessee, too, and I believe that it's in College Station. The Aggies beat Mizzou on Saturday 69-60 to 60, um, in Columbia. So I, it's time to start taking this Texas A&M team really seriously because Buzz Williams has been to the tournament before um, a ton of times. I mean, I think, you know, he's got to be up there in the SEC in terms of coaches with the tournament appearances, so – um, just over his entire career because he's been in a lot of other places. But I think the Aggies are kind of a legit team and a team I don't want to play in any tournament scenario. Yeah, 100% fan. I, I feel like Buzz Williams is kind of a uh, one of those iconic, legendary coaches from our childhood growing up. I mean, it, we always knew who Buzz Williams was, and he was always uh, really fun to watch on TV. As you said, I, I would love to know how many suits he has. Because yeah. he just absolutely sweats through him, man. He uh, he's over there, fired up, super energized, uh, just rallying around his guys. It's it's pretty awesome to see. Um, but uh, I- I'm glad you said that. Out of all the teams you could have said, man, I'm glad you said A and M because my team on that list uh, was the Texas Longhorns. Wow, so that was my we, second team. <laughs> so we are uh, we are covering the state of Texas to say the least, man. Uh, so I, I love it. Uh, you know what they say, Chan, great minds think alike, brother. Yeah. Um, well, just but, go ahead and talk about the Longhorns, Garrett. Go ahead and talk about them. We got, we got the, yeah. done. go for it. Yeah, no, man. I, I, uh, I think Texas is very, very good. Uh, they got a dude, Marcus Carr, who's just a dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, reminds me a lot of one of your favorite players, Chan, John Morant. Yeah, kind of very similar play style. Just, uh, just plays super hard. Is just out there getting buckets. I mean, he had uh, a couple weeks ago. He had twenty nine points at Kansas. 
I, I really believe that he will be a very, very good NBA player. Uh, got a quick, uh, quick little name shout out for Texas. Sir Jabari Rice. <laughs> third, <laughs> wait, Sir Jabari? No, 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 no. So S-I-R apostrophe oh. J-A-B-A-R-I. Sir Jabari Rice. <laughs> oh, that could be up there, dude. <laughs> I mean, that's got to be a top nomination right there, man. But, Sir. Uh, <laughs> Sir Jabari Rice. What a name. But uh, he, uh, Sir Jabari had 24 points uh, in their overtime win against Oklahoma this past weekend. Uh, and uh, like I said, man, gonna gonna give a couple of chief shout outs on this on this uh, episode right here. But that just goes to show you, man, playmakers are just uh, supposed to be out there flying around and making plays on both ends of the floor, as our uh, as our guy Pat Mahomes always says. Um, you know, you got to have your guys step up and make those plays like that. Uh, Sir Jabari averaging 12 points on the season goes out and has 24 against, uh, Oklahoma. As I mentioned in overtime, huge win, uh, needed every one of those points from, uh, Sir Jabari. And, uh, <laughs> I can't stop saying that name. It's just too fun. But, uh, but you know, while the playmakers are out there making plays, man, the uh, the supporting cast has got to be there as well. You know that you got to have, uh, you can't rely on uh, on your guys too much. You got to have just an entire team effort. Um, you know that that's what makes the the really good basketball teams great, and uh, that's what separates them from the from the good teams. But uh, the mediocre teams, in my opinion, is just depth and uh, you know getting contributions all over the board. So. Um, my, my best example that I can give to you, and I won't go too, too much on this, uh, but Purdue, man, Purdue has a great player, arguably one of the national player of the year finalists in Zach Eady. Uh, but dude, they had a game a couple of weeks ago when they won, they did win. They won 64 to 63. They won by one, but Eady had 32 points. He had half of their points. And they and they still only won by one. Yeah. So um, that's a whole nother topic. You know, Purdue obviously is a is a separate team um, than Texas, but it just goes to show you, man, you cannot rely too heavily on one guy. Uh, you got to have contributions from all over the board. And I, I think that Texas is a really really good team. Uh, they just play really hard. They can score. They play defense, and uh, and they play together. So they're really fun to watch. I do like Texas a lot. Yeah, I mean, last and to go back to Purdue. Last time we were on here, I'm pretty sure we it was right after the Indiana game, and Edie had like 33 and 18. And they lost by five. Like yeah. they had no scoring anywhere else. And Texas, um, there's just something to say as well about teams that just don't lose. And right now, I think they're in that category. Like they're just not really losing. Um, and it's it's interesting to see. Let's wrap up the show with our with the uh, AP coaches poll as we um, close this Tuesday night down number one Houston we didn't talk about them they are really good <laughs> they are super athletic and and they get in your face and get after you um I don't want to play them in the tournament at all I think that they are their style is chaos and they thrive in chaos, um, and th they can be a very dangerous team. Number two, Alabama, 
Number three, Kansas. Four, UCLA. We talked about those. Five, Purdue, real quick. I mean, when you have a guy, another dominant big man, like they're going to be in every game. They are the like, just like Garrett said, they have to have contributions from around him. Otherwise, they're not, they're going nowhere. Um, and will they get them? I don't know. I think I love Matt Painter. So I think they'll be fine. Virginia, uh, at number six, moving up a spot. Big win for them. We talked about them. Arizona moves up a spot after a big win. Um, we talked about them. Texas, number eight. They, uh, they go down, or no, no, they stayed at eight. Excuse me. They stayed at eight. I think they were eight uh, when they played Oklahoma. Um, so they stay there. Baylor stays at nine. Um, not the worst loss in the world at Allen. You had a 13 point lead at halftime, I believe, if, if I'm, if I'm right on that. Um, it's not the worst loss in the world. They're still 20 and seven. They're a little bit, they're kind of like a worse Houston. And by worse, I mean like not that bad. Uh, because they love chaos too, and they flat get up and on the floor. Um, both of those teams, that'd be a very interesting matchup in itself. And then I actually just realized that I messed up. I gave the listeners wrong information. There are six teams in the Big East in the top 25. I did not account for Marquette. Uh, the Marquette Golden Flashes, I believe, or Golden Eagles, Golden Eagles. They are 21 and six. Um, Another one of those teams that's just a physical team from the Big East. Uh, the physicality in that conference is something to really awe at. And I love it. Garrett, anything you want to say about the top 25 before we get out of here? Yeah, man. Um, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. You know, we, we went almost all episode without, uh, without talking about Houston. And uh, th- there they are sitting at number one. And, uh, you know, man, it, it's it's tough because they're obviously a really good team, but they're similar in a way, in my opinion, to Gonzaga. You know, we don't get to see them play all year on TV, so you don't really hear a whole lot about them. They don't play in as good of a conference, um, but, you know, you still got to give them their respect. Uh, obviously, they're, they're sitting there at 25-2, and two, uh, so they're obviously a really, really good team. And uh, as as our guy Travis Kelsey said about our recent Super Bowl uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, he went on to mention in the post game that uh, getting one Super Bowl was great, but uh, throughout his entire career, he did not want to be remembered as the guy that just got there one time or just uh, maybe got uh, beginner's luck and just won one Super Bowl and never won another one again. Um, and the way that I tie this back into Houston is that, uh, you know, they did make the elite eight last year. Um, and no one really expected that out of them last year. So if they make another run this year, I think that kind of solidifies them as a program for years to come. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if they, if they go out and they're sitting there in the top five all year long, and then they get bounced in the first or second round, they might be in trouble you know I, I don't know if you can really solidify them as a uh, legitimate program like that they might be a Gonzaga you know that people talk about every year oh they don't play in as good of a conference like they'll just choke in the tournament like you, you don't want that to be remembered uh, for your program so I, I think if they make another run this year then they are 
100% solidified as a good program. And by run, I would constitute that, you know, sweet 16, probably Um, just anything besides getting pounced in the first or second round. I think they would be all good, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to see Houston play. I haven't seen them play all year. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what they can do and how they can follow up from that elite eight run last season. Yeah. And if they go on another run, get this Garrett. I don't know if you know this or forgotten this. They're in the big 12 next year. (laughs) Wow. I did forget that conference realignment. So there we go. (laughs) If they were to make it to another elite eight run or whatever, or higher, I I honestly think they need to win the sweet 16. I think they need to go to the elite eight. If they can lose in the elite eight, that's fine. But they do that, and they join the Big 12. That program could literally explode. Wow. It has that, uh, it already has that pedigree, and then you join the best basketball conference in America. Sky's the limit for Houston. Big 12 might have an issue on their hands for sure. Um, well, a good, a good issue. Yeah, a good <laughs> issue to have, I guess, really, for a conference, but not the other teams. All right, really buddy. Pointed that out, Chan. That's uh, that is awesome. I I did completely forget about that they were joining the Big Twelve. Yeah, it's a that's it's, gonna be that's gonna be fun to see them and see how they fare in the conference. And you're gonna see a lot more of them too, for sure. They'll oh be yeah, big time that's, games. That just shows you what success does for you, man. You start being good, you get that notoriety. <laughs> then being in the Big Twelve, they'll be having a lot of premier games. Yep. <laughs> Yep, really, really awesome way to end the show there. Um, Skeeby, I appreciate your time, brother. Back next week. I'm assuming we'll be back Monday. We just had some yeah. things kind of come up that threw us off. But, yeah, we'll be back, get the episode out Monday. Um, for the listeners, you'll hear this probably Wednesday, so enjoy Wednesday's slate. But if you somehow turn it on tonight, I hope you're enjoying Super Tuesday because there's some good games that just tipped off. So let's get to them. Skip, I appreciate your time as always, brother. I'll talk to you next week, okay? Man, Chan, much love as always, bro. Really appreciate you. Uh, another great show in the books. And, uh, yeah, man, we got a lot of a lot of good college basketball coming up. I'm looking forward to it. So take it easy, brother. We'll talk to you soon. All right. See you, buddy.